the sports stance. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Sports Dance. I'm your host, Greg, and no, I did not retire young. I'm not like these guys, don't worry. I am here for another week to give you all my stances on sports. And, I mean, honestly, I wasn't going to miss the best days of the year. We have the Sweet 16 going on today, tomorrow, over the weekend. You got the Elite Eight. Fantastic time, but more importantly, it's opening day weekend. You had... Opening day yesterday, and excuse your ears if this hurts your ears a little bit, but in the words of the great Andy Williams, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Thank you. Uh, I've been trying out for American Idol. Did not make it. Just to be clear. Katie said I had a beautiful voice, but, you know, Luke was a little jealous, I think. Moving on, though. So, yeah, yesterday was opening day. It is one of the best days of the year, at least to me as a major baseball fan. If you had to give me a choice, I would go baseball over everything. Football people are probably not going to like that. But give me seven months of a sport that happens every single day over one that happens over 17 weeks for the regular season. I mean, it's just it's just simple math, people. Makes the most sense. But anyway, as I was saying, it was opening day yesterday. Whether your team won or lost, doesn't matter. You got 161 more games to go. Unless you're the Mariners and A's, then you got like 159. So, still, a lot of season left. Don't get down if your team had one bad game. It happens. For all the teams that did win, congrats. You're on your way to 162-0. For all those teams that did lose, uh, watch out. You're on to 0 and 162. So, it just really depends on how you look at it. But anyway, as I was saying... Opening day, fantastic time. We're just going to get right into baseball in general because, I mean, why not? I'm going to be going over through my division winners, World Series predictions, who I think is going to do the best this year as, you know, just players. Who might surprise you? Just just bear with it. If you're a baseball nut like I am, you're going to love this. If you're not, tune in in like 20 minutes. That's all I can say. Again, 12-ounce sports radio giving me a chance to do this. You know, I appreciate it. Getting back into the groove of things, feeling good. Week two, talking with everybody, you know, pacing myself. Fantastic times. Fantastic times. All right? So let's just dive right into it. We're going to start with divisional winners. I mean, we're going to go west to east because I think the east in both divisions are kind of the top tier. Whether you agree with that or not, I don't know. But we're going to go from west to east, and then we'll get break down it all a little bit. So, my AL West winners this year are going to be the Astros and Dodgers. I mean, same old, same old the past few years. These are the top teams in those divisions, plain and simple. The Astros have a young core. They've locked up Bregman now. They have the pitching with Verlander. They have the hitting and the defensive prowess with Altuve and Cora. I mean, Springer in the outfield. They are just a stacked young squad that is going to keep improving year after year. Just makes the most sense. I mean, if you are not picking the Astros in the West, I can maybe see going with the A's, but they would have to get have hot streaks. They would have to be consistent. And until they can show me they can do that, I mean, everybody's going with the Astros every single year, every single time. In the West, 
Nobody's taking down the Dodgers. The Dodgers keep bringing back that team that keeps making it to the World Series. They still have Kershaw. They still have the pitching. I mean, honestly, who's going to step up in the West to take down the Dodgers? Is it going to be the Rockies? The Rockies, yeah, they could give a run. They tied for the record last year. You know, uh, you had to see who would win. But in general, you got to go with the Dodgers. Just until they don't have Kershaw uh, on the mound, which at this point, about every few months they don't have him on the season. But still, they have him. Yeah, I know his playoff streak is shaky. That's why they probably haven't won a World Series. But in general, Dodgers in the NL West because Arenado and the Rockies can only do so much when they're not at Coors Field. All right, so see, there's going to be quick, easy, quick little tidbits, quick little things here and there. Perfect. This is exactly what you want in your MLB predictions. Not to toot my own horn, but toot toot. So looking at the AL Central, we're going with the Indians. The AL Central is just a complete, complete mess. I mean, the Indians can easily run away with this thing. Who's really the competition there? White Sox? No. Royals? No. I mean, you just don't have anybody that can compete with the Indians' skill level, especially when it comes to pitching. And hey, uh, Indian fans, enjoy it now because as your owner said, not going to last forever. Not going to last forever. A.K.A. I am not going to pay Francisco Lindor, which is the dumbest, dumbest thing you can tell your fan base. You are not already going to project out three years from now paying by far one of the best players in the major leagues who's on your team and the fans love. You're not going to pay him anything, essentially, to keep him in Cleveland, which that's kind of one of the big issues going into the next year or two with the CBA being up for Major League Baseball and uh, bargaining again, there could easily be a player strike because of owners making comments like that, basically saying, yeah, we're just not going to pay the top-tier talent what the top-tier talent should get. I get MLB has ridiculous contracts. I get that Mike Trout just got $430 million. Chris Sale and... DeGrom both just got $135-plus million for five years as pitchers. You know, they work one out of every five days. It's just crazy money. But MLB owners have the ability to do it. They have the luxury luxury tax. Everything is guaranteed, which is, I know, kind of the fear of all these long-term contracts. Because even if Trout got hurt today, still guaranteed $430 million, even if he never steps on the field again. So I understand the hesitancy of these owners. But don't already start telling your fans three years out, oh, hey, our all-star shortstop, yeah, we're just not going to pay him, just so you know. Just don't get your hopes up that we're going to keep him. We're not. He's probably going to end up going to, like, Boston, New York, one of those top-tier markets that can actually shove out the money. Maybe he'll go to San Diego with Machado. Who knows? But until then, I'm going with the Indians because you got Corey Kluber, you got Bront. I mean, you just got a lot of talent on that squad, and really nobody else in that division that can really do anything to stop it. I mean, like I said, you have the Twins. The Twins actually, you know what? The Twins maybe, maybe could give a run, but I just don't see it. Looking at the West, I'm going with the surprise team from last year, the Brewers. I mean, you got Christian Yellick, the reigning MVP coming back. He's only going to improve. So, I mean... It's, it's simple. I'm going to go with the Brewers. The reason I'm not going with the Cubs is 
I don't know what it is about the Cubs, but I feel like the since they won the World Series, they have been on kind of like a World Series hangover. Maybe it's going to last another 100-plus years. I don't know. Theo Epstein hasn't figured it quite out yet. Chris Bryant, all of them, none of them seem to be to the level they were back then. It's very odd. They are a very talented squad. There's no doubt about that. They could crush the ball a mile, most of them. You have Rizzo, Schwarber. You got Bryant, like I said. You got John Lester still on the staff. You got, I mean, just a really, really good squad. But I just, for some reason, I feel like it's Madden's last season under contract. They did not extend him. I guess they're waiting to see what happens this year. In general, I just don't, I don't know what's going to happen over there in Chi-Town. I just don't think it's going to be pretty. Maybe they get to 80-something wins, but the NL Central every year is kind of a weird, weird grouping where they're either all really good or all really bad. I'm putting the Brewers around 90-something wins this year, so I think that does it for them to get into the playoffs. And that's why they're my central leaders and winners overall. And then last but certainly not least, we're going with the AL East and the NL East. We'll start with the NL East because I'm a fan of an AL East team. You can probably guess who I record in Massachusetts. So take your guesses and know it's not the Blue Jays. But the NL East, I am going with the Phillies. Now, Scott at Craft Brew, please don't hate me for that. But just on paper, the Phillies seem like the squad to beat in the NL East. The Mets made a smart move and signed to ground for five years. That's their win for the year. That's it. Don't expect much else from the Mets. They got their ace pitcher locked up for the next few years. Now they have to go figure out how to keep Noah Syndergaard. But the the Braves and the Phillies are going to be the two teams fighting it out in the NL East, I think. Nationals will be kind of hanging around. I mean, yeah, they have Scherzer. They have Turner. The NL East is pretty stacked with good teams, when at least the top three. But I think with the Harper signing, you have Hoskins in that lineup. You have Real Multe behind the plate. You have Nola on the mound. They have a very talented squad that I don't think is going to falter. I think they'll play up to their expectations. I think they'll get into that mid-90 range. The Braves are going to be close behind. You'll see in my predictions, I have the Braves making the playoffs. So, Scott, don't worry. They're still making the playoffs. But it's... It's the Phillies year, I think, in the NL East. In general, I mean, Harper's going to have that nice little porch in right field to hit homers over. And that's, I mean, that's plain and simple why I'm going with them. They have a really good one through six lineup when you look at it for batting. And it's going to be hard for other NL teams to really compete with that. Looking at the AL East, and no surprise, I am going with the Boston Red Sox as my AL East champion division winners over the New York Yankees and Tampa Bay. We're going to use our whole bullpen for the entire game raise. The reason I'm doing this, it's not because I'm a Red Sox fan and because they won 108 games last year and the World Series, and it has nothing to do with any of that. It's because they're basically bringing the same team back from last year into this year. That includes the AL MVP Mookie Betts, who is by far one of the top three players in the league, along with Mike Trout. And you can kind of make an argument for who you want to put in third. Uh, you could say Yellick because he's the NL MVP. You could say Judge. You could say 
I mean, you could throw him pitchers in there. I mean, but in general, I think Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, 1-2 in the league right now, at least, going into this season. So you bring him back. You have J.D. Martinez, who was a top AL MVP candidate also as a DH primarily. You have Ben Attendee out in left field doing his thing. You have just a locked-up ace now in Chris Sale. You have David Price, who always tends to have a good regular season, finally did something in the playoffs last year. Their issue is going to be the bullpen. If their bullpen cannot function, they don't win the AL East, they may not make the playoffs. But if that bullpen can be solid enough and be middle of the road, they win the division. The Yankees, on the other hand, dominant bullpen, but their big thing is they are not contact hitters at the plate. They have two big names that you know of with Aaron Judge and Stanton. And here's just a small little fact about that. Last year, they combined for 65 home runs. Great. Impressive. They also combined for 363 strikeouts. You do not need your three and four hitters, or however they're going to have them back-to-back this year, striking out over 300 times. Over 250 times is too many when it's supposed to be your best hitters. So without constant contact, if they're only just going for the long ball, which trust me, they know how to hit it. They hit 267 last year. They set the league record. They're probably going to break it this year if Judge stays healthy. But in general, that's why I don't think they're going to win a division. Yes, they have good pitching. Yes, they have the bullpen. Yes, they have a really good team in general. But I don't think it's overall better than the Red Sox. That's why I'm going to have them as a wild card team. So I already basically gave two of my wildcard teams with the Braves and the Yankees. So my division winners were the Astros, the Indians, the Red Sox, and the AL, and the Dodgers, the Brewers, and the Phillies, and the NL, with also the Rockies and the A's making the playoffs. Now, I said the Rockies are going to give the Dodgers a challenge. I do think that's true, but I think they'll follow two three games back and take the wildcard slot. The A's are going to be my surprise team in the AL. They're going to end up facing off. Probably against the Astros, because I assume the Astros are going to end up having the best record. And in general, my pennant rivalry is going to actually be the Phillies and Astros. Yeah, that's right. I'm picking against the Red Sox. I'm picking against the Yankees. I am picking against the Dodgers, who have made the World Series how many years in a row now? And everybody else. I really do think the Phillies this year have what it takes to make the World Series, and I know the Astros have what it takes to make the World Series because they almost made it last year after winning it the year before. Just in general, the Astros are just a ridiculously good team, and it's going to be really hard for the Red Sox, who I think will also face them in the ALCS, to beat them two years in a row. I think the bullpen faults them this year in that division. Not in the division, in the ALCS, my bad. But so, in general, those are my predictions. Took like 10 minutes. I think that's pretty good. I know I'm no Carl Ravitch or Buster Olney or any of those guys, but I feel like I give some solid facts here and there. If you have your thoughts on what's going to happen with the predictions of the rest of the season, let me know at sportsstance underscore on Twitter. Don't forget about that. But with opening day now being here, going by, The other major thing that the MLB needs to focus on this year is their new hashtag, let the kids play. 
And it's true. Let the kids play. Let the athletes, the young guys, these young stars that you have, just play baseball. We all remember those glory days in the summer. Literally the song, Glory Days. Playing in the summer. On your baseball field. Hanging out with your friends. Baseball was just the fun thing to do. You run around the bases, you hit some home runs, you slide, you get dirty, you have a good time. That's what summer's supposed to be. That's what baseball is supposed to be. If there is one sport that should let their players show their personalities more than anybody else, it's baseball. It is the longest season out of every sport. You see these guys every night playing. You get to know who they are, hopefully. But you got to let them have some fun. Let them flip the bat once in a while. Throw out these unwritten rules that these old timers, old writers, vets, retired players all always constantly bring up. Like, yes, some of them I agree with. Yeah, peg a star player on one team. Let the other pitcher retaliate. Don't give a warning right after that first one. Let the retaliatory happen, but you don't need to brawl about it. Unless it's something ridiculous. But in general, just let the guys show personality. Let them have fun out on the field. Let all these different things that everybody talks about, these unwritten rules, let them go. Let the unwritten rules of baseball go. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's all right. But baseball in general, has all these different things where you kind of, it puts a damper on the game. Let's be honest. It puts a damper on the game. Like, some of them I get, don't talk about a no-hitter or perfect game. That's superstition. Don't steal bases when greatly ahead. Who? I mean, who really cares? Who's going to get angry about that? It's just some of these, it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to, the main one. Don't admire a home run. Really? If I hit a gigundo dinger over the right field wall and it goes up to the third deck, you don't think I'm going to stare at that for a second? You don't think I'm going to watch the magnificent, glorious home run that I just hit with my own strength off of you throwing 98 at my head probably and me taking you yard? I'm going to admire the hell out of that. Don't think I won't. I am going to admire it so hard. I'm going to do my little stutter steps around the bases. I'm going to trot a little bit slower. I am going to take my time because I just pimped the crap out of a ball that you threw me. It was your own mistake. Should have known better. Shouldn't have put it there. So, yeah, I'm going to admire it. Don't get mad about it. I don't want to see next day on first take or Undisputed or any of those dumb talk shows where everybody just keeps ranting and going over the same topics over and over again. Oh, they shouldn't have done that. They shouldn't have flipped their bat. They shouldn't have stared at the ball for more than a second. Put your head down and run to first base. Who cares? Show a little personality. Show that you have a little bit of swag. Because guess what? If you don't, it gets boring. It just gets boring. So forget all the unwritten rules. Let the kids be kids. Let the kids play. MLB put out a commercial where they have all these young stars going at back and forth with each other, talking about winning World Series, talking about hitting 80 home runs. Yes, that's what we want to see. That's what everybody wants to see. That's what makes MLB great. That's what makes baseball great. So 
I really, really hope baseball sticks to this. Let the kids play because if they don't, it's just going to be another boring year. I'm not going to even get into the new rules that they're trying to enforce because baseball takes three hours. People are fine with football taking three hours, and that has about an hour and a half of commercials. Baseball takes three hours. It's a game of strategy. It's a fun game to watch. If you really get into baseball, it's a really good time. So, I mean, just in general, think about that. Let the kids play. Let me know what you think. Are you kind of a person that likes to be old school? Think about, hey, don't do this. Don't do that. Or are you you cool? Are you trying to be hip, swag? I don't don't know what the other cool words are. I'm getting old. Lit, fleek, all those. Please don't judge me for saying any of those. I don't know what they mean. But anyway, we're going to take a quick commercial break and find out how 12 on Sports Radio can save you some money on tickets. Did you know a recent NBA basketball ticket on 12 Ounce Sports Radio was only $5? That's right. You can buy event tickets on 12 Ounce Sports Radio for extremely low prices. Go to www.12OunceSportsRadio.com and click the event tickets page on the menu and browse. You won't believe how easy and inexpensive it is to attend your next event. So be sure to go to www.12OunceSportsRadio.com and click the event tickets page on our site. All right, speaking of cheap things, it's a perfect lead into everybody's favorite new segment on the show, Really Skip. Because let's be honest, this man likes to take cheap shots no matter who you are. You could be a world star athlete or just a commentator. He's going to come at you. So here's Really Skip. Alright, in this week's edition of Really Skip, I'm at a loss for words. That's why there was that dramatic pause in there. I am at a loss for words. This man is the ultimate troll, as I've said. He's just ridiculous in everything that he comes out of his mouth, out of his fingers, that he tweets. It's just lunacy. I think he might have Mountain Dew poisoning. If you don't know what that means, go check it out. He loves his dew. Literally makes bets with it against Shannon Sharp. It's just... It's just bonkers. But this week, like every week, he always finds a way to up his game. Now, if you didn't see earlier this week, LeBron James took a free throw. It airballed. It literally swished under the net. It's not a good look. It's never a good look when you airball a free throw. It's the easiest shot in basketball outside of a layup. It's not, it's not a good look. Especially when you're one of the top players in the game. And one of the top players of all time. We get that. Everybody gets that. Everybody has a game. Everybody has an off moment. It's all right. It happens. But Skip Skip just couldn't let it go. Skip had to say something about it. Did he say it five minutes after it happened? No. Did he say it an hour after it happened? No. It took him a full 24 hours to come up with this thought. And let the world know how he felt about this missed free throw. Saying, and I quote, Did Michael Jordan ever airball a free throw in his NBA career? I can't imagine. 
LeBron sure has. Happened again last night. If he's the best player on the planet, it's Mars. Really, Skip. Really, Skip. That's what you're going to go with. You can't imagine Michael Jordan ever airballed a free throw. Maybe he hasn't. I don't know. I wasn't old enough to really remember most of Michael Jordan's career. But even if he never airballed a shot, it's fine. He probably airballed plenty of other shots. And in the age of social media, every little thing that MJ did would have been scrutinized like it is with LeBron. Every single day you talk about LeBron, whether it matters or not. He's not even in the playoffs this year. Yet somehow you find out a way to talk about him every single day on your show. It's ridiculous. This takes the cake, though. LeBron James is a top three player of all time. Of all time. You can argue with me if you want about it. Most argue he's one or two with Michael Jordan. To say he is the best player on the planet, and that planet would have to be Mars, is just plain stupid. You have to be an idiot to think that. Was LeBron the best player in the league this year? No. It was a bad year for LeBron. He got hurt. The move to L.A., I think, really, you know, wasn't great. But he's been the best player in the league every year up until this year. And that makes sense. He's getting older. He is 35. He is a freak of nature athlete who is still one of the top five players in the league right now. You can make the argument if you want. Overall, top five player. For Skip to even come out with such an idiot, idiot take. Just blows my mind. It just, it, it, it angers me. This is why I do this here. This is why I rant to all of you. Because it drives me that nuts. I scour through all the tweets. I look for the one that's going to get me the most angry. And then I just go for it. It sounds healthy, right? It, it's not healthy. I don't, I don't think it's healthy. But anyway, yeah. Skip, you're, come on. Really, Skip? Really? Guys are allowed to airball. They're allowed to airball a shot every once in a while, even a free throw, even if they're the best player. Doesn't really matter. Did it affect the game? No. So let it go, Skip. You don't have to comment on every single play, every single touch of the ball, every single little thing here and there. Focus on the teams that are going to be in the playoffs. Focus on your, you know, don't focus on your Cowboys. Please, for the love of God, stop talking about the Cowboys. Stop talking about your Sooners. Stop talking about your Spurs and number two in Toronto, which that is maybe the more childish thing out of anything. He refuses to say Kawhi Leonard's name after he forced his way out of San Antonio. That's a whole different thing. That's a whole nother time. That's probably going to be a whole nother really skipped tweet rant. But for now, just let people miss free throws every once in a while, Skip. It's fine. It's cool. You don't have to come out and say stuff like this. LeBron's the best player on this planet. He has been the best player on this planet for the past 12, 13 plus years. So get over it, Skip. Get over yourself. Go have a do. And just, I don't know. But really, Skip... Skip, 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 skip,
All right, now that we're done dealing with that, it's time to get back to reality because March Madness, Sweet 16, it all started last night. And it was somewhat exciting. We had one fantastic game, Tennessee and Purdue. We will get to that soon. But first, let's just go over the other games. I mean, honestly, it's been the same old, same old with these games. Not a lot of drama, not a lot of excitement. In fact, the later games were exhausting to watch. If you like really good college basketball, those were not the games for you to watch. You may have enjoyed Texas Tech's dominant defensive prowess and, you know, locking things down against Michigan. Granted, Michigan didn't score their 20th point of the game until 24 minutes into the game. Which is just nuts. Taking 24 minutes to score 20 points as a number two seed. I get Texas Tech has a really good defense, but... Come on. Probably doesn't help that they shot one of 19 from three point. Not not super good at, you know, understanding how to win basketball games. I know you score more points, you win. But I don't think one of 19 shooting from three is how you do it. That's just me. I'm, you know, I'm a bit old school. I think the more three pointers you make, the better chance you have of winning. But clearly... Michigan did not see that as they lost last night 63 to 44. The first half of that game was an abysmal 24 16 score going into half. Imagine being there, watching 40 points be scored total between two teams. Oh, I'd rather watch paint dry. So, yeah, Texas Tech moving on. Then. Gonzaga took care of business easily against Florida State, which was actually kind of shocking. Because even though they're a number one seed, even though they're this dominant team, Florida State was on a roll. All these different commenters were saying, you got to watch out. This could be the upset. I thought it was going to be the upset. I mean, Florida State's been playing great. Gonzaga, after that blowout loss to St. Mary's in their championship, you weren't kind of sure exactly what they were going to be doing going into this. They took care of business. They did what they had to do. Plain and simple. And then UVA, Oregon. UVA does what they always do. Which is slow things down. Take their time. Play good defense. It was 53-49. Nothing too special. It doesn't help that Oregon, just like Michigan, was terrible from downtown. Going into this game, Oregon was shooting 50% from three in their first two games combined. Which, you knew they couldn't keep that pace going. You knew it wasn't going to happen. But, you had to think. At least 35, 40%. Instead, they were 9 of 25. And when you get down to that, it's just not going to be what beats UVA. Virginia is too good. May are consistent. They're very good defensively. It's just it's just what they do. So those three games were really, really boring. They all followed higher seed one, higher seed one. And then when it gets down to two and three seeds, it's nothing too crazy. I think if it two wins or three wins, whatever. 
So we had two three wins last night, the second one of the night. Well, actually, technically it happened first. But the most dramatic game outside of Duke-UCF went down last night with Tennessee-Purdue instant classic. No other way to describe it. It was an instant classic. It was fantastic. Everything that you could want in a basketball game, plain and simple. It went to overtime, like I said. Final few seconds had some controversy. I mean, if you could have given me a better game, I don't really know how you could have. The final score was 99-94. That does not reflect how good of a game this was. To put it in perspective, first, Purdue went up 40-28 at the half. Then, Tennessee came storming back in the second half. Takes the lead. Everything looks good. They're, you know, feeling good. They get down to the final minutes. Tennessee goes up by three. Purdue comes back with Klein, who was lights out from downtown last night. He hits a three, ties it up. Tennessee goes up by two with 8.8 seconds left. Purdue drives. They missed the shot. All goes out of bounds. They call it off the Tennessee, which if you look at the replay, it's pretty close. So Purdue gets the ball with 1.8 seconds left, something around that, 1.7 seconds left. They hand it off to Edwards, Case Carson Edwards, if you didn't know who I'm talking about. He goes up for three and gets fouled. Yep. Tennessee did what you don't do. In the final seconds, on the final shot, when you have the lead. They fouled on a three-pointer. And it was kind of controversial. The ref made the call. People were kind of going crazy on Twitter. Most thought it was a garbage call. Yes, he goes, when they go up, Edward does get knocked, but he sticks his foot out a little bit, makes the contact. He doesn't make the three. He gets three shots at the free throw line, misses the first, makes the next two, ties it up. We go into overtime. Rest is history. Purdue wins, takes it. But here's what I got to say about that call. Whether you're the ref or the player or anybody, should the ref have made that call, as much as it is terrible call, looking at the replays, Technically, he had to make that call. I know usually in those final seconds, you kind of give a little more range. You give a little more freedom. It's just like in football and Hail Marys. You're not going to call the pass interference. But he bumped into him. The ref made the call. And Carson Edwards hit two of his three throws. He could have won it right there in regulation. Then it would have been really crazy to see how Twitter blew up. But, I mean... Yeah, it may have been it may have been the call nobody wanted to see. It's not how you wanted that game to end, but also at the same time, it made it even that more dramatic. But Purdue won, so two three seeds go ahead, two one seeds. Still, you know, that low the low seed dominant tournament that we've all come to know. Now there's no twelve seed. That was the last high seed. The only other one that is considered high at this point is Auburn. Which gets us to tonight's games. Tonight we have Duke, UNC. It's Zion time. Not Duke. I wish it was Duke versus UNC. But you have Duke, UNC as the top seed. Then you have Michigan State, 
and you have, well, I can't think of the other game off the top of my head. You have another game, plain and simple. <laughs> well, I can't think about it. It is Houston, Kentucky. Terrible game to forget. That's going to be another good one. Their symbols are the exact same symbols. You just switch the H and the K out. I mean, but nobody clearly cares about those games. Everybody's there to see Zion. Watch Zion play. It's all about Duke. Do you know how I know it's all about Duke and Zion and just nobody cares about most of the other teams? The ticket prices. Have you seen these ticket prices? The range? Here's the average listed. Just to put it into perspective. I'll start from lowest to go to highest. Figure out who's highest. It's Duke and Zion. Alright, so if you wanted to go see games in the Midwest section... It cost you $138. That's Auburn, UNC, and Houston, Kentucky. Four very good schools. Then there's the South with Oregon, Virginia, Purdue, and Tennessee. I would have paid more than $177 to see that Purdue-Tennessee game. Then in the West, you have $180 for Florida State, Gonzaga, Texas Tech, Michigan. I mean, that to me should be the lowest, actually. And then the East where it's going to be Virginia Tech, Duke versus LSU and Michigan State. $650. That is ridiculous. Zion's a special player. I get that. I get we all want to see what he does next. He's phenomenal. But I'm not paying $650 to go watch him in Sweet 16. I'll catch him when he's in the NBA. I'll catch him when I can pay $60 a ticket to go see him. There's nothing that says what he does in college basketball is going to be the thing I need to be able to say I saw and spend almost a, a little over $600 on. It's just nuts. But anyway, looking at those games, thinking about it, I'm going to give you a few betting tips. I mean, Michigan State should beat LSU, and Kentucky-Houston's kind of a toss-up. I, I'm going to go with Kentucky because they're the Blue Bloods. And Calipari, I feel like, always finds a way at least to get to the Elite Eight. But I'll give you some betting tips, at least on the two big games. Duke, Virginia Tech, North Carolina, and Auburn. And then you can go to my bookie, you know, submit those in, try to make some money, have a good time. All right, so UNC, Auburn. I'm going with UNC to cover. Right now they're favored five and a half. And... I mean, I feel like that's easy money. One of the main reasons is North Carolina is out-rebounding their opponents by 50-plus rebounds. They're plus 50 on the rebounds, whereas Auburn, on the other hand, is not so much. He, they are negative 26 when it comes to rebounding. Not so good. I feel like that should let you know right there there will be a big difference in boards, second-chance opportunities, and because of that, plain and simple to see that UNC is just going to win. Plus, they just seem to kind of be unstoppable. It's going to be a high-paced game, but I think when all is said and done, UNC usually wins by at least six points. All right. Now looking at Duke-Virginia Tech. So first time Virginia Tech and Duke played, Virginia Tech won. Duke didn't have Zion, though, and you know this game is going to be interesting. Also, we just found out yesterday that Ty Outlaw, the senior guard for Virginia Tech, who had been charged with marijuana possession, will be allowed to play in this game. 
That's kind of big. He's a big three-point shooter for them. He shoots from 40%. So, I mean, when you have a 40% three-point shooter that's back in your lineup and you weren't sure if you are going to have him, it makes a difference. And I don't think this game is going to be a blowout. I don't think Duke is just going to come out guns blazing and, you know, kind of show everybody UCF was a fluke. That game shouldn't have been as close as it was. This is going to be a close game. Virginia Tech is a very good team. Right now, the spread is plus, or it's seven for Duke. So, if I'm you, if I'm putting some money on this, I'm going plus seven Virginia Tech, plain and simple. That's all I got for March Madness, at least right now. And those are my bets. If you want to take a bet and place it, you know what to do. Listen to the ad. Ever want to make a wager but don't know where? Go to MyBookie. Use promo code 12OUNCESPORTS to get 100% deposit bonus up to $1,000. Listen to all our gambling shows, then put that knowledge to practice on MyBookie. Make sure to use the promo code 12OUNCESPORTS to get the bonus. You can find their banners and links on every page of our website at www.12OUNCESPORTSRADIO.COM or go to MyBookie.ag. All right, again, my bookie. Don't forget, go there. If you want to place the bets that I just gave you for March Madness, do it. Make a little money. Make a little green for this weekend. You know, have a little extra spending cash in the wallet when you're going to the club or Home Depot, like I might be doing this weekend. Maybe you're going to the driving range, round of golf, whatever you got to do. You know, a little extra money, though, never hurts anybody. So go to my bookie. And this is next, we're going to be talking about, I wanted to say the NBA, but let's be honest. There is not much going on in the NBA right now. It is kind of a boring point. It's right before the playoffs. Teams are kind of getting set up, getting their rosters ready, getting guys a little bit rested up, especially those teams at the top. Teams at the bottom, they're still fighting for the spots in the East. I mean, the West, you kind of already have a lock of who it's going to be, one through eight, and we know none of them are going to be the Lakers. But besides that, the biggest news uh, – disgustingly was Joseph Nurkic or however you say his name. I may have just butchered that on the Blazers leg compound fracture. I mean, it's not great. That means he's done for the season. And I mean, it really hurts the trailblazers. They were a team that was, you know, going to be at the top of the West. One of those top few seeds. I think they're four sitting four right now. It's a big blow to them. I mean, plain and simple, you lose one of your top three guys on the year, it's gonna be it's gonna hurt you. It's like if the Warriors lost Clay Thompson, I would say he's number three. If if Philly lost Butler or Tobias Harris, that would hurt their chances. I mean, it just really hurts. And you hate to see it, especially at this point of the season. The guy was having a career year. You just kind of feel bad for him. You feel bad for the Trailblazers. Lillard's had a great year, uh, you know. CJ McCollum always has been playing well the past few years. And this basically takes them out of any chance to even probably advance after the first round. They have, they would have to have a tremendous first round against most likely the Thunder to you know make it. And I, I just don't see it happening at this point now. They don't have the big man down low crashing the boards, doing what he needs to, to get those shots on the outside done and falling and blocking the lane against Russ and Paul George. So, I mean, outside of that, the Thunder did something impressive. They went on a 24-0 run against Indy to start the third quarter the other night. 
finally shown how elite that defensive side can be after, you know, kind of sputtering on D the past month or two, not really shown that top-level defense that they start the season with. Going to 24-0 run, longest run without an opponent scoring this year, so that's pretty impressive. But, I mean, besides that, Warriors and Nuggets are battling for the top of the West. The Warriors have even come out saying, don't really care if we get it. We'd rather our guys be healthy, be ready to go. One or two seed, it doesn't really matter unless it comes down to the Western Conference Finals. Then it kind of does, only for one game. So they don't really care. Warriors can win road, home. It, it doesn't matter to them. But besides that, it's kind of a boring point in the NBA right now, so I'm not going to really talk about it much. I am going to talk about the NFL, and that's only because, sadly, we're going to be out with, without one of the biggest goofballs to ever play the game next year with the retirement of Rob Gronkowski. Gronk will no longer be with us. And you know, when you think about it, it's kind of sad because he was one of those things that made the Patriots a little bit likable. Yeah, we all don't like the Patriots. We don't like how much they win. We get it. I live in Massachusetts. I get to hear the worst of it. I'm not a Patriots fan. So, hey, I have that going for me. But in general, Gronk was the guy that if you had to pick one guy on the Patriots that you could kind of be like, yeah, I'd have a drink with him. It was going to be Gronk. Everybody knew that. Gronk was the guy, and he was fantastic at the tight end position. Completely revolutionized the position. He could be a tight end. He could be an offensive tackle. He could be a fullback. He could be a wide receiver. I mean, the guy was a freak of nature. He was gigantic. He was big. He was strong, and he was quick. He had a catch radius like a wide receiver, and he could just bowl you over like he was a lineman. The guy was talented. Was he the best to ever do it at that position? You could definitely make that argument. I mean, just to give a rundown of his stats, he had 521 catches, 7,861 yards, 79 touchdowns, and that's with missing 44 career games. He played in 115, missed 44. If he plays in those 44, he's probably around 100-something touchdowns, close to six, maybe 650 catches. Definitely around 9,000, 10,000 yards. That would definitely make him the best. Because really above him you could say maybe Antonio Gates, Tony Gonzalez. And that's just because they've been doing it for way longer. But neither of them have a Super Bowl ring. Gronk has three. Gronk missed like complete seasons almost with injuries. So you could definitely make the argument he's a top tight end. He's definitely in the top three. You probably have to go Gonzalez, then Gronk, and Gates. I mean, just based on what the position is and how it's revolutionized over the years and developed, Gonzalez really changed the perception of tight ends as, you know, that top catcher on the team. Whereas before, he was your third option usually. But, I mean, Gronk was the lovable guy. It's it's going to be sad not seeing Gronk spikes. I, I will give them that. And it's going to be sad not having somebody take him in my fantasy football league, thinking this is going to be the year he plays all 16 games, only to have him get hurt, miss half the fantasy season. You know how thin the tight end position can be in fantasy football. And then that guy completely falls to the bottom of the league because he gambled on Gronk in the first round. It's great. It's hilarious. Always is a good time for me because that just means that's extra money I'm going to get from that person. 
but also leads me to the weird fact, fun fact, whatever I'm going to call this right now. I think it's called weird fact of the week. So we're going to quickly get to that involving Gronk. So here's the weird fact. Weird fact. All right. Weird fact, lovable fact, fun fact involving Gronk. With his retirement, Gronk finished with a .69 touchdowns per game ratio. Can you get any better than that? The man loved a good 69 joke, and it just is the most fitting possible stat you could throw out there for Gronk. The man loves to joke about sex. He loves to joke about 69. If you didn't know what that was, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know if I should say, like, not safe for work right before this. Eh, who cares? If you don't know what Gronk likes, it's tough. 0.69, nice. So I got to say about that. That was the weird fact, fun fact, Gronk fact of the week. Weird fact. All right, so now that we know Gronk is retired, that's another weapon that Tom Brady loses. The question came to my mind of an honest question, and is it's quite simple. With Gronk gone now, are the Patriots going to win the AFC East? I mean, it's a reasonable question. Brady has only a few weapons now. If you look at the roster as it stands right now, he essentially has Julian Edelman, Philip Dorsett, Sonny Michelle, and James White as like his only offensive weapons. Not bad offensive weapons, but nobody jumps out at you. Edelman, yeah, won MVP for the Super Bowl, but he's never been a 100-catch guy, or at least consistently. And Gronk was always kind of the safety valve for that offense. So, you know, I put that out there, at least put it out to the Twitterverse, see what they thought. Most of them thought I was an idiot. Came back with 62% said, no, their title run will not stop or be in jeopardy. 27% told me I was stupid. And then the little 12% said, yes, it might be in jeopardy. And as much as you might think I'm stupid, as much as you might think I'm done and dumb, I don't know, not done. I think it's in jeopardy. Brady can only do so many Brady-esque things for so many years with a limited amount of weapons. Every team this year is going to put eight guys in the box and then double-team Edelman. You could put one guy on Philip Dorsett, and if he beats you, he beats you. But if you're telling me the Patriots' run of AFC East championships, making it to the AFC title game, is going to happen with Julian Edelman... Philip Dorsett, Sonny Michelle, and James White, then by God, Bill Belichick is a mastermind, genius, God, and so is Tom Brady because there's really no other way around it. They lose a defensive coordinator again. I know Bill's really the defensive coordinator, but they lose another one back-to-back years. Their defense is getting older. I mean, the McCourty brothers aren't young, young spry guys anymore. They lost Trey Flowers. They lose an offensive tackle in Brown. I mean, they're they're losing guys who do help overall. And Brady is going to be another year older. Not to say his stats and everything are going to go down. But it's going to be harder. It's going to be much more difficult to put up those offensive numbers without a weapon like Gronk. Without a reliable guy, number two, number three option. 
These are just facts. So yeah, I'm going to say, especially with the moves the Jets made, the Bills are making moves, especially in their secondary, it's going to be a more challenging year. Patriots go 10-6 and six maybe, 11-5. and five. Will that win the AFC East? Probably. Will this all come back and bite, slap me, bite me, whatever, all that? Most likely. But it is a thought. I would at least say more than most years, it's a 50-50 now. It's a toss-up. Season, one guy goes down. If Edelman goes down, if somebody goes, if one of the running backs goes down, season could be in jeopardy. I mean, Bill can only find so many guys that other teams don't want and turn them into pro bowlers. Plain and simple. So that's what this Gronk retirement does. I know Rosenhaus came out saying he didn't say this to Gronk. Gronk didn't say it to him. But if Tom picked up the phone and said, hey, Gronk, want to make this nice run at the end of the season for us, come out of retirement, five, six games, maybe Gronk would do that. No. It's not going to happen. I mean, Gronk is done. He is over. He's done being a robot, wearing a giant thing on his arm, working on the TB12 diet. He wants to have fun. He is 29, about to be 30. Plenty of life to live. He's going to have movie contracts, WWE, whatever he basically wants, he can go do. And not have to worry about his ACL getting taken out by safety going low. I mean, what's better than that? So yeah, Gronk, we're going to miss you. We're going to miss Gronk Spikes. It puts the Patriots in a bit of a pickle with offensive talent. They'll probably figure it out. But we're going to miss you, buddy. We'll shock in a beer for you. We'll, We'll do whatever. But Gronk's done. He's over with. He's retiring. Hopefully he doesn't go into the Monday Night Football booth because that's where tight ends go to die. I'm looking at you, Jason Witten. Part of me is glad you're going back to the Cowboys. Part of me is not. But thank God you're out of that Monday Night Football booth because you were you were awful. But yeah, so besides that, besides Gronk retirement, the only other retirement there was was Conor McGregor came out saying he's retiring too from mixed martial arts, specifically saying mixed martial arts. Probably means he can maybe box. Probably means he could, I don't know, what else he would get into. He's kind of short. He really has boxing or mixed martial arts, it seems. But the interesting thing is most think it's probably a promotion. He's done this before. So this is kind of like one of those false retirements. It's not really, it's not, it's not a real retirement. The money's right. The card's right. The opponent's right. Connor's coming back out. He's going to make the money. He's going to get the fans going. He's going to. Be like, who the fuck is this guy? And he's just going to, we're all going to love him again. But for now, he's going to drink his Irish whiskey, proper 12, and live his life. And, I mean, he made tons of money off that boxing match with Floyd Mayweather. So he really doesn't need to fight. But he probably will again, let's be honest. So that's, that. I guess, retirement news. But mainly NFL news. Because besides that, the only other thing going on in the NFL is Coaches meetings, owners meetings, all that. Rules change. They're going to put in the rule change involving pass interference. Why? 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 Why would they do that? Well, because the coaches complained. The Saints complained. Sean Payton's on the competition committee and figured, why not? Let's see if I can make this happen. And he did. They're going to try it for a year. Whatever. You know it's going to come back and bite some team in the ass. And then they're going to complain. And then they're going to take it away. Or one of those ridiculous Hail Marys at the end is going to get called and they're going to be like, that should be a play where nothing's called. And 
plain and simple. It's it's just not going to work out well, which is fine. It's okay. It happens. Rules like this come and go all the time. It will probably be for one year and one year only. It's not going to slow down the game like some people think it's going to. It's just going to get a little more frustrating because coaches are going to probably just throw it out here and there. And in the final two minutes, they're going to get mad that they can't challenge things like they normally can't challenge things. Coaches being angry. That'll wrap up the show, though. I got nothing else for you. I've enjoyed my time with you, though. I will say that. But I'm going to go enjoy opening day, these games tonight, which hopefully give us just as as much excitement as Tennessee-Purdue because that was fantastic. That is what March Madness is all about. That is what we want to see. I'm also hoping as a Red Sox fan personally that my team does not get slaughtered again like they did last night. Way to give Chris Sale all that money for tons of runs given up. Gotta love it. He'll be back, don't worry. World Series champs will be back. They just they just wanted the rest of the league to think that they have a chance. Please don't hate me for that take. Just a Red Sox fan trying to make sense of what happened yesterday. Enjoy your weekend. Like I said, go make some bets. Go to my bookie. Put it in. Duke, Virginia Tech. Take Virginia Tech covering. UNC will cover. Those are it. That's all I got for you. Enjoy the weekend. Have a good time. Have a few drinks. Enjoy your family if you have one. Enjoy your friends if you have those. Just just live life. That's all. That's all I ask. I'll see you next week. Same time. Same place. 12 on Sports Radio. Fridays at 2. Don't forget to check me out on Twitter at SportsDance underscore. Follow, like, call, talk, whatever you want to do. Info at the sports dance blog at gmail.com. Let me know what you think. Let me know what your stance is. Again, have a good weekend, everybody. See you next week. The Sports Dance.